if you're excited to be in church this morning, why don't you make some noise? I'm excited and I want to look right in the camera and welcome all of you spring breakers on the other sides of computers and tablets and we recognize that it's spring break for much of Hamilton County so you might be in in transition from here to somewhere else. I hope that place is beautiful. We miss you. We still count you as family even though you missed today. Because of the miracle of modern technology, you don't have to miss not one Sunday so you can tune in right now. So Five Stones, will you put your hands together and welcome your church family this morning. So glad they're here. Wear sunscreen wherever you are. We can't wait for you to be back next Sunday for Easter Sunday. Come on, somebody, get excited. I'm getting excited for Easter. You know, this week, you heard Jason say that just a moment ago, that we are in love week. This is love week. This is the week that on Palm Sunday, this, this day that we celebrate, this is a big, important day in church history. This was the day that Jesus made his entry into Jerusalem. And, uh, and he suffered for us. And this week is the week that we remember that. In fact, next Sunday on Easter, a whole lot of churches all over the world will be celebrating that concept. I think a lot of times, a lot of churches will take that Sunday to celebrate what Jesus did. But I actually think next Sunday is a celebration. Next Sunday is the day we celebrate the victory on Easter. And this is the week that we kind of slow down and recognize what Jesus really did for us. So it's, it's love week around here. And you, you heard that we, we uh, had a reverse car wash yesterday. We just got excited and, and got ahead of things. And so we had a reverse car wash. Some of the responses were absolutely amazing. My favorite one was a lady that looked at me and said, I have never seen anything like this in my entire life. And she said, she said, I'm a part of a church, but I'm going to tell everybody about this church because this is amazing. <laughs> I just thought it was just so fun, just so exciting to be um, part of a church that just, just wants to give, you know, just wants to celebrate the risen king of what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And so this is Love Week. I hope you'll jump on board one of those exciting things. In fact, I want to challenge you with this. Tomorrow, we're all going to have an opportunity to do something together that we're calling the drive-through difference. Come on. On somebody. And what we're going to do is we're asking everybody here that you would just find some time tomorrow and, uh, and go, whether it's coffee or breakfast or lunch or dinner, whatever it is, find a drive-through. Even if you're not like, I'm, I'm not a drive-through person, go, go through a drive-through this time and just go and, and do me this favor. Go pay for the person behind you. Pay for that person's meal or their coffee. And in place of receiving a bill or a receipt for, for what they've gotten, why don't you hand the cashier one of the invites that's in your worship guide to Easter at Five Stones and just tell them, hey, would you just give this to them? And I, I just think it'd be so cool if we would just all do that in mass. And if you're going to do that, um, take a picture of yourself and, and, and tag Easter at Five Stones or, or tag the church. And this is a way that we could just, it's a simple way that we could just be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's what we're doing during Love Week is just being the hands and feet of Jesus into our community and everywhere we go. I hope you'll take part of that. Well, today we, we wrap up the, the series that we've been in, He and Me, where we've been talking all about who He is, who Jesus is, and who we are in light of that incredible truth. And so we've talked about how Jesus comes before us and how Jesus is the one that gives us our must in life, like what we've, we've got to do. And then last week we talked about how Jesus is our healer. And today we're going to talk about something that Jesus said of Himself. He said that He is the bread of life. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to take part in communion together. And, and I'm excited to take, to take part in communion as a family together. In fact, I've been looking forward to it for a while. We were going to do it inside of worship. And I felt like the Lord said, slow down and just talk about that. Talk about communion, the significance 
of what communion is and what it means to us as the body of Christ. And so whenever I think of communion, I actually think of comic books. <laughs> I think like, how do you, how are you making that jump, Pastor Tom? Like how are you going from comic books to, to communion? Well, for me, like I have always been a, kind of a closet nerd. Some of you are like, you're not, it's not, you're not hiding anything. It's not a closet. We all know you're a nerd. But, but like when it comes to comics, like superheroes and stuff, when I was a kid, man, I just loved comics. I liked all the superheroes, all the, the crazy powers and all that. I mean, I just always got into that. So like my inner 12-year-old is, is just having the time of his life right now because they've made them all into movies and it's just incredible. I'm watching all of that. That's just exciting to me. But when I was a kid, I was really big into comic books. And one day, my dad took me to a comic book store. And he said, and I don't know if it was, maybe it was because I had done well on a, a report card or done something well, or maybe it might have just been because my dad was just a good dad. And he said, I want to take you there and just love on my son. And so we went to this comic book store and he said, I want you to just pick out anything that you want. Any, any one of these comic books that just looks like it's appealing to you, just, just take it. So I was like, wow, really? So I went through this whole, whole comic book store. I was probably eight or nine years old, so I didn't really know what I was getting. Like, I would just look, and I would see how um, they were, like, this, this cover looked exciting. The comic book heroes were in some pose, and I get that. And, and the superhero, um, the comic book store owner was walking alongside with us. And every so often, he would make, like, a little comment, like, well, that's a particularly early episode of Spider-Man, or, or that's a, a really powerful Iron Man, or whatever it is. I thought he was just kind of giving me some added advice, or, or, or added info about the, the comics, but what he was trying to do was clue my dad in, like, that, that one's kind of expensive, in other words. But my dad didn't care. He just said, just, you, you can get that. And so, so I, I would get that. And when we left the store, I had this big old stack of comics in my lap, and a big old smile on my face. And I remember we got in his truck, and he looked over at me, and he said, you know, uh, you ought to kind of be mindful of some of those. Put, put those back in the plastic bags with the little cardboard back on some of those because some of those are going to be worth something someday. In, in fact, some of those are worth something right now. And I remember looking at him, and I'll never forget the look on his face when he walked into my bedroom and saw kind of a half-stepped-on comic book that I had been reading, and I just left on the floor and just kind of stepped on it. And he looked at that, and I'll absolutely never forget the look on his face when he saw a perfectly cut-out Spider-Man of the old newspaper print that I had cut out of one of the comics because I was going to put it on my bulletin board. He just kind of stared at me in disbelief. Because like he couldn't believe that I had taken this thing that was worth so much and just kind of handed it, handled it so flippantly. And when I think about that moment, I think about communion because I think we're going to take part in communion today. It's going to be absolutely amazing. But I think sometimes we fail to see the value in what we're about to do. I think sometimes we, we, we understand that it represents the body of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. We understand that it's done to remember Jesus. But I, I think if we would slow down today and, and really realize that he was the one that said, I am the bread of life. And if we really examine communion, then you'll understand how truly priceless it is. And it's super important that you understand why it is that Jesus instituted this in the first place. Why are we doing this? Because I think sometimes in the church, we just treat it as though it's just something to remember Jesus by. And I understand that because Jesus was the one that said, hey, hey, every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so for a long time, that's exactly how I think the church kind of handled it. Like it's, it's just something to do to remember Jesus. It's, it's just a cup and it's, it's just some bread and we do this to, to remember him and, and nothing else. But the truth is, if you have notes and you're, you're keeping notes today, you could write this down. Number one, communion is more than just looking back. 
It is absolutely more. There's so much more that's happening than just looking back. It's so much more than just simply a reminder. There's so much more that's happening inside of communion. And, and I wonder if I could just, could I just teach a little this morning? I, I want to preach and I want to teach, okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat you today, okay? I'm going to treat you. I'm going to preach and teach all at the same time. Now, if you, it depends on your background, where you came from in your church background. And if you had a background like mine, this word that I'm about to use right here might have some some significance to it. Maybe you've heard it before, and it is the Eucharist. And, and, and that's a word that, that maybe this is the first time you've ever heard it, or, or maybe it carries some baggage with it with you. But the Eucharist is a word inside of Greek, and it's the word Eucharisteo in Greek. Now, what this word really means is when Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he blessed it, that process is Eucharisteo. That's what that means in Greek. And so, so, yes, that is part of it. That's a component of it. But then you say, well, why don't we just call it the Eucharist? Well, the word we call communion is actually a Latin term. And it's made up of, of two words, meaning to come together in oneness. And so it, it, when we have communion, what we're doing is we're coming together as one body with Christ. And in this moment, we are all sharing this together. Now, regardless of which term you want to use, both of these terms are trying desperately to describe something that is far beyond just remembering and just by eating and just by drinking. In, in fact, something so incredible and something so powerful happens when we do this thing that Christ gave us. And it's so powerful that I think that we need to recognize that Jesus said in this moment, he's fully present with us. So when he takes, when we take the body and the blood of Christ and we're together with Jesus, that he is right here in this moment in such a powerful way that I think we have lost in so many, time, so many different ways over time. The church has lost this. It's something very powerful. And it's, it's something that, it, that is so much deeper than just eating and drinking. In fact, there's a time in church history where Paul was talking to the Corinthian church. And they were taking this meal kind of flippantly. And, and, and in fact, they were taking it so flippantly that Paul wrote to them and he said, you've got to stop that. And he was really serious about what they were doing. In fact, there's only a few times in Scripture where you'll ever see Paul as hacked off as he is. And this is one of those moments that he's so upset. You can hear it in his words. And so if you have your notes or your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 11. We're going to skip around a little bit inside of this. But this is how Paul addresses this problem in Scripture. He says, but in the following instructions, I cannot praise you. For it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. And in verse 20, he said, when you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry and others get drunk. What? That's what Paul says. He said, what? Timothy is like his student. He's like dictating this letter. I get the feeling that Timothy said, you said what there? That sounded like an exclamation point. Exclamation or question? I'm going to go with exclamation point, right? Like, like Paul is saying, what are you doing? He said, don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? He says, do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. And, and, and so Paul is saying, like, the way that they were handling this moment is so wrong that he says, man, I, I'm not going to praise you for that. You're, you're really messing this up in a big way. And in fact, in verse 29, he said, look, here's some instructions. He says, for if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. In other words, he said, listen, you better be careful when you, when you take part in this meal because you're honoring God and something powerful is happening. Don't just take this meal and move right along because there's so much more to it. It's important. 
this meal is powerful and important. It makes me think of um, like a few months ago, my, my son Joe had a birthday, and we took him out for his birthday party. And, uh, and so we went out to the restaurant, we were eating, and, and Deborah went out and, and she bought like one of those cookie cakes, you know, from the, the delicious cookie cakes from the mall, and it was a great big one. And he was playing basketball at the time, so he got like a, a big, the whole thing was like a giant basketball. It said, happy birthday Joe on it. And I mean, like, it was like a full-on cookie cake, the real deal. And we were excited to eat this, but Joe, he, he wasn't feeling all that good that day. Now, Joe is actually never sick. The guy is hardly ever sick. And so I knew he was sick because when it came time to eat the cake, he didn't even eat it. He just kind of put his head down. So we knew that he wasn't not feeling well, but it was cookie cake. It was there, so, so we did. We, we started eating the cake, and it was so good. Like, I was, I, I usually don't only have, like, one piece of cake. Like, I had two pieces of cake. I was like, give me another piece of that cookie cake. And not just me, like, his brothers and sister, were, were, we're all eating the cake. His, his, his mom and his grandparents were all eating this cake, and Joe's just kind of laying there sick. In fact, when we got home, he just went straight to bed the next day. Um, it was like a Saturday. He stayed in bed the whole day. He just was not feeling well. But the problem was the cookie cake stayed in the, in the kitchen on the couch. And it was, it was right there, you know, and it's a dangerous thing in my house because, you know, I, I, you're on the way to, to, to the bathroom or whatever. There's the cookie cake. You just grab a little piece of cookie cake, you know, just a little one, one piece, you know, and then, then somebody else would grab it. Not just me, but TJ, my son, he, he's grabbing a piece of cookie cake. And, and the next day, Joe was feeling so much better. And he said, you know what I want? It was in the afternoon. He said, I'm going to get a piece of that delicious cookie cake. And he opened up that box and the only thing inside it was a butter knife. <laughs> and he got so mad. He said, hey, you know the cake that you got me? And I said, yeah. He said, was it the, the delicious cake? I said, yeah, man, it was really good. He goes, well, I'd have no idea <laughs> because I can't have one. He went in any part of it. Like he didn't have any of it. He was so upset about it. In fact, TJ looked over at him. He said, it was so good. For my birthday, I want that exact same cake with happy birthday Joe and the basketball and everything. <laughs> and, and he was so hacked off about it. He was so ticked because he was like, hey, you bought that for me. That was supposed to be for me and you to celebrate together. And this is the same kind of way. Paul says, you guys are coming to church and you're taking part in this meal and some of you are coming full and some of you are coming hungry and, and instead of taking part in communion, he said, you're just treating this like just something else that we do. He says, don't you have houses for that? Like there's a place called a house that you can do that kind of thing. And Paul says, if you're gonna do that kind of thing, then, then you're not taking the body and the blood seriously. And taking communion is an important process. That it's, a, it's something that God, it's a precious gift that God has given us that's unlike anything else. He's given it to the church. And it's powerful what he did. See, if we think that it's just some elements that we take together, I think we're losing sight of something that's so much more powerful that Jesus was actually saying. In fact, this is what Jesus said of his words, right? In John chapter 6, he said this. I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. Now, he said this to the group of disciples. This is, there was a group of people that were following Jesus outside of the 12. There was a large group that was gathering together, and they were following around. And, and they said, when he gave this teaching, that this is a very hard teaching. In fact, some of them said this is so hard that they walked away from Jesus and they never came back. And you have to admit, what he's talking about here, the way he says that, like, eat my flesh, that sounds like cannibalism. Like, to those ears in those days, and when he's saying, hey, like, you got to eat me, and you got to drink my blood, you know, like, I would be like, hey, drinking blood's for vampires, Jesus, like, what's going on there? Like, I don't get this. And so, so some of these people were really surprised by this, and you might be surprised to know this, that as they walked away, Jesus didn't go track them back down. 
Like he didn't run after him and say, no, 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 wait, you, you misunderstood. Like I was trying to say something else. Like it, was, like it was kind of a symbolic thing. No, Jesus let him walk away because he said that this is the truth. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, then you can't have any part of me. Now, if you've been in a church background, like I, I, as a kid, I grew up Catholic, and there was this term that you may be familiar with. It's called transubstantiation. And the Catholic Church believes in this. It, it believes in this moment, it means that the, the priest would bless the elements, the bread and, and the juice, and in that moment, the, they physically and literally become the body and blood of Jesus. Now, I want you to know that I, I don't personally believe in transubstantiation. Five Stones Church doesn't believe in transubstantiation, that in that moment, they literally become the body and blood of Jesus, because I can't find that anywhere in Scripture. I cannot find a place that shows a moment where a priest or anyone else, for that matter, can bless these elements and physically they become the body and blood of Jesus. I, I, I can't say that if you, in that moment, that you could take that to a lab and they say, yes, that's human flesh or, 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 or blood. And I just don't see that any time inside of Scripture. But I will tell you this, what he's saying in this moment is that Jesus is present in this moment together. And so the truth is we can't go so far as to say that, that it doesn't physically become his body and blood, but we also cannot say that he is not here. He's not present in this moment. And, and if you think about it, that's not really that hard to believe, right? Like, there, there should be some things about your God that you just can't wrap your mind around. That God is so big, that he's so supernatural, that he's so powerful, that you look at it and you say, I just can't explain that. Because if you can explain everything that God does, I don't know that we're worshiping the same guy. Like, God, there are some things that God does that I just, it just doesn't make sense to my rational mind because he's supernatural. And it's really, truly not that hard to believe that God would be present with us in this moment. When you think about it, in just a moment ago, we were during worship, and the worship leaders were saying, lift up your hands and, and surrender your heart. And if you took a moment and actually surrendered to that, then you would say that something physically was happening, but there was also something spiritual was happening at the exact same time. See, it's in this moment that, that when we take part in worship, when we take part in the act of communion, that, that God comes to us in a very real and very spiritual way. And so the question becomes, well, well, is communion then just a symbol? Well, I think the short answer is yes, it's absolutely a symbol. It, it, communion it is, there's so much symbolism that's inside of it. Like in just a moment, we'll take the cracker, right? And sometimes maybe you've taken a cracker that has holes in it. And those holes represent the holes that Jesus took in his hands and in his side. And, and it's also um, burned on one side, you know, that represents the, the bruised body uh, that Jesus did this week as we celebrate Passover, as we recognize that Jesus walked in, he became the Passover lamb. And there's, there's certainly so much symbolism inside of the juice, is it the dip, deep, rich color of it that looks and resembles blood. And so, yes, there's symbolism, but if you think that it's just symbolism, you miss out on so much. There's so much more than that. Than that. Like, like a stop sign's a symbol, right? When you see a stop sign, you know that that thing represents something, right? It's a, it's a certain shape, it's a certain color, and we know that when you get to it, probably because of the big white letters, but you're supposed to do something, right? When you come to that symbol, you're supposed to stop. And, and, and some of you kind of ignore that symbol altogether. You just move on right on past. And others of you uh, examine it a little too long. Can I just be honest with you? <laughs> but like, like, okay, we get it. It's stop, now go, you know? But, but it's a symbol, right? When you see that symbol, you see it and you think, well, of course I'm supposed to respond to this symbol in a certain way. 
But, but imagine if it was a rainy day and you're driving along and somebody blew through it and, and actually lost control and they hit that stop sign and it just fell over. Actually, this happened uh, in, in my neck of the woods not that far from me. Somebody did that. They knocked over that sign. And I noticed for weeks and weeks and weeks, nobody ran outside to go pick that thing up in the rain and set it back right. They just kind of moved on. However, what would it be like if an American flag fell down? Like if you're driving through and you saw an American flag and it was laying down, had fallen from wherever it was and it was in the mud, many of us would get up and we'd say, hey, we need to pick that up, dust it off and set it back where it goes. Why? Because it represents something. It represents that, that men and women have suffered and died for our freedoms and our liberties. And so there's something that's so much bigger than just a flag. It's, it's so much larger than just the symbolic representation because it carries a different kind of weight. And that's very much like communion. That, that there's, it's so much different than just some symbol that we do because Jesus said he is the bread of life. It represents him in a way that's beyond symbolism. In fact, number two in your notes, communion is so much more than a symbol. It is. It's more than a symbol. And, and during this time, there's so much more that's, that's happening in this moment than, than just a symbolic thing. And, and if it were just a symbol that we in the church know that, that Jesus came for us and, and he suffered for us and he died for us. And if, if it's just a symbol that reminds us that one day we'll be with him, why don't we just go and be with him right now? Why? Because it is for now more than a symbol. It's something that God gave to us to say, I'm, I'm giving you this so I can commune with you physically. I'm giving you this, this time together so that we can be together. Did you know this? There are testimonies literally all over the world where, where people have taken communion and they were healed, miraculously healed. Testimonies throughout time all over the place where people during communion, they matched their faith with what God was doing in that moment and they saw healing happening. They believed God and in that moment, God says, I'm, I'm present and, and something supernatural took place. Next week, we're gonna celebrate Easter and, and Easter's the moment of, like I said earlier, it's a powerful testimony of the victory that Christ has for us. Like, like in that moment, we're going to celebrate that. Well, well, actually, right after Jesus rose from the dead, he was walking on a road. Maybe you've heard this story called the road to Emmaus. And he was, as he was walking along, a couple of his disciples came along and they, they met up with him. Only they didn't even know that that was Jesus. They were walking along with Jesus and Jesus is, is talking to them and he's teaching them. And they totally missed it. And I think about communion sometimes and I think it's like that. I think in this moment, Jesus is doing something so powerful, and we have grown so accustomed to it. It becomes something that we do. Like, you know, shake your neighbor's hand before we sit down. Why do we do that? I don't know. That's just something we always do. It's like a high five. He told me to high five, a high five, you know. It's just something we do. In the same way, communion can be like this. God is present with us, and we miss it. In fact, there's a, po a moment in that story where the disciples um, were walking with Jesus. They didn't know it was Jesus. And, and Jesus said, okay, I'm going to go this way. And they say, no, 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 please come this way. Sit with us and eat with us. And Jesus does. He, he comes and sits with them. And, and in Luke 24, 30, it says, as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Remember, Eucharist Dale. He, he brought the bread together and, and he blessed it. And he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. You know what I think happened in that moment? They didn't even realize it was Jesus. Jesus sat down with them, and when he broke the bread, he lifted it up, and they could see the holes in his hands. And they went, oh, my gosh. And in that moment, they realized this is Jesus, that we've been walking and sitting and talking. And, and I think sometimes this happens in church. 
We come to church, we get so used to and accustomed, like what we've, we've come here to do. We're going to go through some songs, we're going to hear some message, we'll have some laughs, we'll sing, we'll pray, we'll go home to lunch and move on. And God says that I'm here, and if you'll slow down, I'll meet with you. And I'll reveal myself in a way that maybe you've never experienced before, and you can know me in a way that you've never known me before. See, I think in this moment, when, when we take part in communion together, we can experience God in a powerful way. So, so what's our part in this? Like, what, what is it that we're supposed to do in this moment? Well, here's what Paul says. He says, anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthy, unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. Now, I want you to hear this. What Paul is saying, and, and maybe you've heard somebody say this, it's like, man, in this moment, you really need to consider whether you're good enough, like if you're worthy enough to have this. Like, it, you need to look, think back. Have you done too much sinning? Have you, done, have you not done enough good things, right? If, in this moment, you've got to think about that. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is not saying that, that you need to take this moment and think about how good or bad you are, how worthy you are. Because if, if any of you are wondering if you're worthy enough by yourself to come to this table and have this, let me just tell you right now, you're not. I'll just tell you, not one of us are worthy enough to sit at the Lord's table and drink his cup and eat his, the, the, the bread of his sacrifice. Not one of us in this room, I don't care how good you are, I don't know how amazing you are, I don't care how much you gave to the church, I don't care how much you served this week, I don't care how many cars you washed on a reverse car wash, none of you are good enough to receive that. The only way that you can sit at this table is to be invited. And the only way you can be invited is to say yes to Jesus and receive what only he was worthy of. And in that moment, Jesus makes you worthy. And that, that's why it's so important that you get this point. If you get no other point, get this today. Number three, communion proclaims his victory. You see, when we take this moment and we have this moment together, it's, it's more than a symbol. It's more than just taking some time. It's more than something that is done today. It's more than just looking back and remembering. It's, it's proclaiming his victory. Taking part in this meal that we're going to take part of in a minute is so incredible. It's saying that, that Jesus Christ really is who he says he is. He really did what he said he would do. He really not only suffered and died, he did not only just get stabbed and beaten and, and abused for us. He didn't only get murdered on a tree, but when when he died, he got back up, and that means that I can get back up too. That's what this means. It's so much more powerful than that. See, Paul says this, examine yourself. Here's what he says. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you failed the test of genuine faith. In other words, he says, how do, you, how do you decide whether or not this is the seat that you should be seated at, at, the meal that you should be taking part of? How do you know if you're worthy enough? Because the body and the blood of Jesus gives us the ability to come to this table. In just a moment, we're going to do just that. We're going to take this meal together. In fact, if you have the elements, you can get that in your hand and get ready because we're going to take it all together. Don't, don't take it just yet. But I want you to to imagine something with me. I want you to, to examine yourself in this moment. And the way I want you to, to examine to see if you're ready to take part in this incredible moment where Jesus is the bread of life physically present with us is I want you to picture something in your mind's eye. Pretend for just for a moment, can we pretend together that, that next Monday you're driving home from work. And as you're driving, 
you hear a, a, a broadcast on the radio and they say, there's some mystery flu that's broken out in India. And they don't know what it is. They can't identify it. They don't, they don't know exactly what it is. And immediately you think, gosh, is this the next COVID? Like, what, what, it, what is this thing going to be? But they say in this backwoods part of India, three people have died. And they don't know what it is. They're calling it the mystery flu. Well, you think, wow, that's, you know, what's the next thing that's going to kill us? You know, you just kind of move on and you go home. But when you get home, it's on the news too. It says it's this mystery flu. Three people have died in India. Well, you go to bed that night. A couple days go by and, and you just happen to catch the news again. And this time, it's not three people, it's 30,000 people. And this thing is spread. It's, it's not just India, it's now Afghanistan, it's Iraq, it's Syria. It, it is on the move. And the CDC has been dispatched. They're trying to figure out what this is. It, you, you can't help but to think, well, gosh, we're going to go through all of this process again. They're going to shut down everything. What is this mystery flu? They say this is nothing like COVID. This is nothing like the influenza. This is something much more powerful than that. And it, it is infecting the world. And you see how it's spreading just like wildfire. The president gets on the news and he says, he, he gets on a broadcasting tells everybody, listen, my fellow Americans, our thoughts and prayers are, are going out to those people. Britain has closed down its borders to keep and prevent any of the spread from happening. And then sure enough, you watch the next day is on the news. You see a woman being translated from French to English. She's got her husband in a hospital. It has reached Europe and it's starting to spread like crazy. They, the best that they can tell is that when you get this thing, the symptoms are terrible. You, 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 after about three days worth of symptoms, the mortality rate is 100%. It's not like some people get better and, and, and some people get over it. Like if you catch this mystery flu, then you are 100% going to die. And everybody, all the bosses, all of your bosses has dispatched people to go home. You're staying in your house and we're trying to figure out we're working from home and doing this whole thing over again. And then all of a sudden it happens. You see it. You watch in shock as, as two people lie dying in a New York hospital and you think, wow, my gosh, it's come here. And pretty soon, before too long, it's in California, it's in Arizona, New Mexico. It's just spreading and spreading and spreading. And the CDC has no idea what to do. And people are clueless. They're lost. How are we going to handle this virus that, that if you get, you absolutely die? And in that moment, you watch in horror as you find out that it has spread all throughout the Midwest. It's, it's reached the Southeast, and now it's come to your own town. And then... Almost, almost miraculously, you hear uh, one night on the news as they, as they come forward and they say, a cure has been found. We have figured out an antidote. It's not made in a lab. It has to be bloodborne. It has to be created from blood that, that, that is the blood of someone that is not infected with this disease. And so they're asking everybody, take your family, go to the hospital and just prick your finger and they're going to see if they can derive an actual va vaccine based off of blood. And so you scoop up your family with everybody else. You go to the hospital. They've pricked your finger and they give you tests. They ask every Everybody to stay out in the parking lot and just let a, we'll let you know if you can go home. And so there you are, standing there with your family and some of your neighbors and friends wondering, how is this whole thing going to pan out? How is this going to end? And then it happens. The guy busts through the door, and he, he's carrying a clipboard, and he's shouting a name. And you're saying, what, what does he say? What's, what, was the, what does he say? And he shouts it again. And you're like, everybody's, there's commotion. They're trying to listen. What is he saying? And then just then you feel the tug at your, at your shirt. And it's your son that says, Daddy, he's calling my name. And so you pick up your, your child and you walk forward and you say, I, I think you called my son's name. And, 
And so they real quickly, they grab him and they usher you guys in, back into the hospital. They put him in a little room where you have to stay in a, in a waiting room while they're doing tests to make sure that his blood is perfect and pure, not been touched by the disease. And you're standing there wondering what's going to happen. And the doctor comes out and, and they're, they're laughing, they're crying, they're hugging each other, they're rejoicing. And they come forward and they say, we're so excited. We're so grateful that, 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 that for you. And you say, that's great. That's fantastic. My son will be able to make this vaccine. But one of the doctors is very serious and very stern. And he looks you right in the face and he says, well, I'm sorry, but we're going to need you to fill out this consent form. See, we didn't know that it was going to be a minor. We didn't know that, that we, we, we just, we didn't know. And we're going to need all of his blood, every, every bit of his blood. We're going to have to take it all. And we need you to sign this consent form. And you say, what are you talking about? This is my son, my only son. I can't. And I say, please, sir, this is the, the fate of humanity. The, all of humanity depends on, we, we've got to, would you please sign? We've got to move forward. And my question is, could you do it? In that moment, could you, could you go back into that room with that little boy sitting there looking you at the face saying, Mommy, Daddy, what, what's happening? Where are you going? Why are you leaving me? Why are you doing this? I, I've got kids. I, I tell you, I don't, I don't think I can do it. I love you. I love everybody. But I, like, my, I couldn't look at my little boy in the face and say, I'm going to let you take this for everybody. But let's just say, just for argument's sake, let's just, just for argument's sake, you could in that moment, you could say yes to that and you could allow your son to take that sacrifice for everybody, to die for the fate of humanity. It's the fate of humanity and you can in that moment say yes and allow him to take that. How would you feel if, if they say, like the American people would say, hey, listen, because of the sacrifice that your son did, we're going to celebrate him. And not just on one day, we're going to celebrate him every single week. We're going to celebrate the fact that because of him, because of his sacrifice, we can live now. And not just because we're alive, but we can celebrate the fact that we have life because of what he has done. We're going to celebrate. And how would you feel if as a mom or a dad, if over time people just stop showing up? They stop coming. They said, listen, man, I, I appreciate what your son did, but I, I got work. I got, I got a social life. I got some stuff I got to do, and, and they wouldn't show up. Wouldn't you, as a mom or a dad, knowing what you just gave your son up, would, would you not say, don't you understand? If it wasn't for my son, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have the life that you have. How could you not do that? How can you not be part of this? See, the truth of the matter is there really is a disease that has infected us all. It's called sin. And the mortality rate is 100%. Every one of us will die as a result. And there really was a father that could say yes. That really allowed his son to die for you. And there really was a son who willingly laid down his life so that you could live. And so what Paul says is in this moment, have you received that? Have you said yes to that? To the sacrifice that was made for you? Have you really ever said, man, I, I recognize it's true. And we all know it's true. But is it true for you? Have you received the antidote, the antidote for your sin? Which is Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me today before we take part in this meal together? Paul says, examine yourself. And I just ask in this moment that you would do that just between 
you and God and me as a pastor right now in this moment, no one looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you would say, that's, that's me, I want to receive that. Then just boldly, just lift up your hand. You've got to say yes to him. Yes, God bless you. Who else? Yes. I want to say yes to him. Yes. I want to receive forgiveness for my sins. So good. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Anyone else before we pray? You can put your hands down. Let's pray this prayer together. Mean it with your heart. The Bible says confess it with your mouth and you're set free. You're saved all over this room. And those of you watching, let's pray this prayer out loud. Say it this way. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for dying for me. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. So I open up my heart and I invite you in. I surrender my life to you and I give you control. Wash me, cleanse me, and by your blood, I'll never be the same. I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he met together with his disciples. And Joe, would you bring me that, um, those elements right there? You can take out those elements and we're gonna take this together. He met with his disciples and he took the bread, Eucharisteo. He took it in his hands and he broke it. Break it in your hands now. He said, take this, all of you, and eat it. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the body together. Then he took the cup. You can't help but to look at the color and consider the blood that was shed for us. He said, take this, all of you drink it. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. Do this now in remembrance of me. King Jesus, you make us worthy, God. It's because of who you are that we can come to this meal because of your sacrifices and the work of the cross, we have an opportunity to be with you and we feel you in this place, Lord. We're so grateful for what you have done. And God, it's not just a remembrance and a looking back, but it's a proclamation that we have life because of you, that you didn't stay dead, you got back up, that truly our God is God. And we wanna share you with everyone that we come into contact with. And so I thank you, God for being the son of suffering. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the one who took it all when we couldn't take it on our own. You lived a life that was perfect and you died the death that was due to us so that we could take what was due to you. And we worship you today in Jesus' name.